0: Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. This is a move, Lord, we feel your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, there's no place that I'd rather be than in the middle of God's presence. Wherever God is moving, that's where I want to go. I don't want to move in some other direction when he's moving over here because he knows everything. He knows a whole lot more than we do. And once we surrender that belief, Hopefully we should follow after Him. And so God has great things in store for His people. He's never going to lead us, leave us astray or, or lead us to a bad place. But God has great things for His people. We should not fear to follow Him and to allow Him to be Lord of our life. Amen. But we have to learn to surrender. Amen. And experience and move. Amen. So good to see everyone here today. Amen. to come and gather together to worship the Lord. Man, to bring our sacrifice of praise, and we just don't want to come to get something, but we should be coming to give something, you know, give, some, give an offering, a sacrifice, give him a care, cast your cares upon him, amen, it's an exchange that should happen here today. We give God stuff, and he gives us stuff, amen, so while we don't want to leave empty handed, we don't want to leave with what we came with. Pray that out at the altar and say, God, give me something new with well, a new heart and a new spirit. Whatever it is you need, man, God is here for that. Amen. Amen. Before we go to the word of the Lord, um, I I want to say something regarding last week's service. We had uh, our communion, our, our consecration service last week, and we had a lot of things. It was a jam-packed service, and uh, thank you all for being a part of that, and communion was one of those things that we took place at the end of the service, and upon reflection and upon uh, prayer, um, I may not emphasize enough or reiterated the importance and the severity of such a sacred moment that believers have when taking in communion. Uh, we are granted that, and so I want to uh, apologize to the church for this. I do not want to diminish uh, the, or, or take away from the importance of communion. And so um, I will be more mindful in the future as I continue to grow in grace of the Lord. And so I'm excited for what God has in store, for the commitments that we have made, the consecrations that we have, that God will go for, before us and be with us, Amen. And so thank you, Amen, for your commitment and dedication uh, to the kingdom of God. Amen. As we're standing, we go to the word of the Lord, the book of James, the first chapter. Uh, verse 12, one verse today. Make it easy on you. James one and twelve. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. It means it's coming regardless. It's going to come no matter what, but blessed is the man that endures it, that's going to make it through it, that's going to fight through it. For when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Doesn't that excite your day? God's promised you something, and when God promises you something, it's going to come to pass, and he's going to give us a crown of life, amen, to those that love him and those that endure the temptation that comes in our life, Amen. Man, turn to a few people, shake their hands as you're seated today. Amen. Contending for a crown. Contending for a crown is the title of today's message. Many countries of the world today have their form of government as a monarchy meaning that they have a king or a queen. There's a a royal family that rules over that country and uh, I guess it determines uh, on their constitution how much power that uh, monarch has. he can have all supreme power or maybe just limited powers but there are many countries in the world that have that form of government and uh, that inquires a, a, a single person who holds the power of decision making. no matter how much or how little that you like the king or the royal family, there isn't really much that you can do about it if you live in that type of system. Um the kings, um, there is not much you can do about it. And so um, the throne would stay in that family no matter what you said, whatever kind of opinion you had. Uh, the throne would still pass on through that royal family. And so uh, America obviously is a country that is void of crowns from kings. Uh, The thought of a royal family is a little bit foreign to us. I know we have the first family of the president and his family, um, but that is the closest we get to a royal family. Uh, And so the thought of a royal family is is different for us because we don't uh, live in that kind of system where we have a king or a ruler. Uh, And so the act of bowing before a king really has not much significance to Americans. We we got our, our American pride where we don't bow to anybody. Uh, and, and so we don't understand that bowing to the uh, king or queen. And so as the founders of this great country, uh, they fled uh, a country that had a crown and had a king. And that's one of the reasons why they fled and left and wanted to establish uh, this nation here. And when the founding fathers established this government they, uh, that would rule this land of people, they said, we don't want anything to do with the crown. Uh, we don't want to be ruled by a single person, a single royal family that won't ever go away. Uh, and so they established that America would be governed by a democratic republic, where uh, the government uh, is of, of the ones is ruled by uh, the people that we choose, that we vote, that we put into power. Those are the ones that rule over us. And so, all those that we uh, that had a say in, and all those uh, that we had a vote in, we vote them to be our representatives and to. Uh, rule over this country. And so uh, a democratic republic is a form of government that is to be represented uh, by its citizens and ruled by its citizens. And so while we do have a president who is the face of our nation, the president's family would be likened unto the royal family, but as to the, the scepter of power, the president only has one third power over this country. Congress and the judicial branch, they each have a third, and so those three make a whole, representing the supreme authority of our country. And so in order to establish a check and balance system that the framers of this country uh, so uh, wisely put together, uh, and so, but if, if, if we like the president, uh, we give him the power to rule over us, if you will, for eight years. And if we don't like him, we wave goodbye after four years. And so uh, this world will will find out this year whether we like this, this president or not in, no, in November. Uh, and so half of the people uh, will be happy and half of them probably will be depressed. And so it just depends what side... Uh, is the winning side, and so I'm thankful that we have uh, a country, we live in a country where we have a voice, where we can vote and we can say, I don't like what they're doing, I'm going to vote no against them, I'm going to vote for somebody else, and we can have a choice who rules over us, and so even though we give them the power to rule, they do not wear a crown. Because we don't have those crowns here. Uh, A a crown is a visible symbol of dominion and authority. When you see a crown, you see somebody wearing a crown. And if you don't know who they are, uh, the mere fact that you see a crown on their head, you would know that they are a person of power because of what it represents, one who has dominion and one who rules with authority. And so if you think about it, most of the world, almost since the beginning of time, had been ruled by a crown. Every, every nation, tribe, or whatever it may have been, they probably had a ruler and a king at some point. But there was one country that was different than the rest. This new formed nation was made up of people that stood out from the rest of society. And this country was not ruled by an earthly king, but it was ruled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Aren't you thankful for the king of kings being the ruler of all heaven and earth? Amen. Over our lives and over this world, we know that he is the true king Amen. Of this world. And so uh, when God brought his chosen people out of Egypt, he established the nation of Israel to be a theocracy. That means that they were to be ruled by God himself, a theocracy. Their, their belief in everything runs to God. He's the one who's in control. And that's, that's, a good, that's a good system, I believe. Of course, you have to follow the rules of, the, of God. Uh, but Um, He established it to be a theocracy. They were ruled by God. God was their king. Uh, This really made Israel so unique from every other nation to be ruled by a god because they all had uh, earthly kings, men, men that would rule over them. And so every nation had their own gods that they would pray to and they would worship, but they were never ruled by their god because their gods were made up. Their gods were not real. Their gods were not alive. Their gods were dead. They were just uh, an imagination of somebody. And so it would be impossible to be ruled by something that doesn't really exist but not with Israel. The reason that they were so different was that the God that they served, the God that they worshiped, the God that they prayed to, he is alive. He is alive, and he sits on the throne. He is real, and he is still alive today. And, man, I'm thankful that we serve a living God, that he can actually rule our life, he can actually have a say in our life, and we can actually submit ourselves to him. And uh, and this God would speak to them. And they would hear a voice from heaven. They didn't hear it many times because they said, we don't want to hear that. They said, Moses, you go and talk to him. We don't want to. We're we're fearful of that voice thundering from heaven. And so uh, they sent Moses, Moses, you go be our representative. Maybe they should have uh, allowed God to continue to speak from heaven. That would have kept them straight and walking the straight and narrow Uh, but uh, he would speak to them, he would visit them, he would manifest himself through a giant cloud or a pillar of fire and uh, when the God that you serve is alive, he can actually do that. He can actually show up in your life and transform your situation. He can actually touch your situation, touch your life, touch your body. He can heal your sickness or disease. or He can actually open doors in your life. Why? Because he is alive. He's not dead. He is alive. We serve the living God who sits on the throne in heaven, and he likes to visit his people and to rule over them and to show them that he is there. Aren't you thankful that we can, when we gather together and begin to sing praises, we feel the spirit of our God in this place because he is alive and he wants to be in the midst of his people. And so you can't really be ruled by something that is not alive. You probably, you you maybe can, but it makes it a whole lot easier when the God you're praying to answers back. That just really helps your faith out. And so there are a lot of religions today, even Christian churches, that are ruled by a God that is not alive, that is not real, that does not respond to his people. But not here, not here at Apostolic Praise, we serve a God who is alive and well, one who sits on a throne, one who responds and inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we gather together and worship him, when we call out his name, he answers and he responds because our God is not dead. And so because we serve a living God, that means that he can actually have an active say in our life, an active response, and actively rule over us just like he did with Israel. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his messengers and through his spirit. And so, But there, there came a point in, in Israel's history when they said, we want to be like other nations. We want to be ruled like the other nations. We see all these countries that are around us. We see that they have a, a, an earthly king. They see they have a man that sits on a throne and, and rules over them. And uh, they said, we want to be like them. We want a king. We don't, we don't want to be ruled the way that you're ruling us. We want to be ruled by a man and an earthly king. And so they rejected the heavenly crown and desired for an earthly crown. What a sad day that must have been for God when his own people rejected him and the way that he had established things because they wanted to be like the rest of the world. God granted them their desires to have an earthly king, and just like any other nation, Israel began to have real problems. Dependent on the person sitting on the throne, if you had a good year or a bad year, and, and most of the kings didn't turn out to be too well. And so, what a tragedy. Uh, What do you do when you uh, expect to be ruled by a man? Uh, that does not follow after the laws of God, you welcome every other spirit, every other uh, a, a bad thing to happen in your life. And so rather than being ruled by a righteous God, they chose to be ruled by a man that could be swayed depending on the weather. And so who knows? Who God? Our God knows the end from the beginning, and so they chose to be ruled by a man instead of a righteous God who knows the thoughts and intents of every heart. And they said, we want to be like everyone else. and So nothing good can come of it. Anytime that we trade a heavenly crown for an earthly crown, we're going to have problems. If we are having problems in our life, I wonder what crown is ruling that part of our life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That means... When Jesus rules under his dominion and under his authority, there is peace being the prince of peace. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, if storms are raging, if if trials are following you, I believe that even in the midst of it all, you can still have peace in the midst of your storm because Jesus is the prince of peace. And if he's there with you in your boat in the midst of a storm, all he's got to do is to stand up and to say, peace be still. And the storm automatically ceases. We love to salivate at that power and at the thought of Jesus calming our storms. But Jesus has to be in the boat with you to do that. Too many people get into their little boats and start paddling off on their own routes and storms come and they're they're crying and screaming, but they left Jesus on shore because they wanted to go their own way. The only way we can speak peace to our storms is when Jesus is there with us. And so I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be where he's moving. Why? Because that's where peace is going to be. Dominion and authority, he has peace in people's lives. And so the prince of peace has to be there. He has to have the dominion in order to experience his peace and his ruling. He has to be the one in charge, being the prince of peace. And so if there are parts in our life that is full of turmoil and unrest, and you don't have peace, I wonder if Jesus has dominion over that area in your life. I wonder if you've submitted all that situation, that problem to him. What, what crown is ruling over that part of your life? Is it your crown or is it a heavenly crown? If your finances are not submitted to the word of God, uh, I would not be surprised if there's turmoil in your finances. Because the way we handle our finances determines, tells who's actually ruling over that. And if we don't submit it to the Word of God, we cannot expect to have the, the promises of the Word of God if, if these things are not submitted to Him. And so if we want the Prince of Peace to rule in our life, not just one area or two areas, but I want peace in all my areas and all my life, I have to surrender completely to the Prince of Peace, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and let Him have His way in my life, and then we can see peace so who rules over our life and what parts of our life do we allow God in on and to rule over? And so if Jesus is there in the boat through it all, or has his crown been placed replaced by your crown, then we are contending for a crown. And it, uh, which crown are we contending for? Do we want his crown in our life or do we want to have our own crown that we live by? We don't want to be submitted to the throne, but we want to be rulers of our own life. Seems pretty crazy. Who in their right mind would want to quit uh, uh, having, allowing God to rule in their life and to have a say and to reject all the blessings that God has for his people? In recent news, I saw that uh, Prince Harry and Princess Meghan have decided that they want to quit the royal family. That's uh, Again, we don't deal with uh, crowns and stuff, but it just sounds crazy. Why would you want to quit from being a prince or a princess? Uh, They want uh, want to, in turn, uh, they want to have their own crown. They want to give up their crown and say, we want to go live our own life. We don't want to be submitted to the throne, but we want to be rulers of our own life. And it's, it's causing a stir over there across the pond. Uh, and I guess the queen's really upset. I, you can imagine, like, who, who wants to leave the royal family? Who says that? Way well, to send an American over there and start messing things up. So seems pretty crazy. Who would not want a crown? but they are rejecting a crown because they want to have a crown of their own life. They they want to have their own crown. And so just as shocked as England and the world is, it happens more than we realize. Every single day, people are making the choice to lay down their crown and to Go and pursue a life that they want to live and to to reject the word of God and reject Jesus's crown. To go and to live their own life. Our text says, Blessed is the man that endured temptation, for when he has tried... He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so James tells us that there is a crown out there that the Lord has promised to give to those that love him. And so 2 Peter 3 and 9 says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to word not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the crown of life, God wants to give it to everybody. He wants everybody to have the crown of life and to wear it. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But God wants everyone to be crowned with the crown of life, but he leaves the choice up to you and I, whether we want to fight for that crown or not. If we will contend for the crown, if we will fight for it, whatever it takes to get that crown of life, God will give it to us. And, and this is how much God wants to give us the crown, John 10, 28, And I give unto them et- the eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And so no one will be able to take the crown of life away from Jesus. Not any man, not every, any devil, not any demon. Jesus has the crown of life that cannot be taken away. It doesn't matter what the enemy is. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. It cannot take the crown of life away from the hands of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus will give that crown to those that will contend for it, to those that will fight for it, fight for righteousness, fight to live a godly life, to all those who will endure temptation and not give in to the wiles of the devil. If you withstand the attacks and temptation of the devil and you live a righteous life, God will give you the crown of life. But not everyone will. Not everyone will fight, not not everyone will contend, not everyone will receive the crown of life. Because to start the process of inheriting eternal life, we have to lay down our crown in order to get his crown. We have to surrender our kingdom to get into his kingdom. We have to forsake this world in order to inherit the next world. And many people are not willing to fight for that. Many people are not willing to go against that. And uh, we first have to repent of our sins. And this is the first act and and one of the most important acts to entering into the kingdom of God is we have to repent of our sins. Because repentance means surrender. Surrender repentance means that I'm not really in charge I came in contact with a higher power and I realized I'm not in charge and so repentance is is us admitting that we're we're not who we are and and that we have fallen and we have making mistakes and that we've broken the laws of a higher authority and a higher power that's what repentance is confession of our soul and so and then we have to beg for forgiveness Many people don't want to do that. It's a big step. And it's what prevents a lot of people from going uh, and inheriting eternal life. And so that is a huge thing for a king or a queen to do, to bow to another king. And so we are all kings and queens of our own kingdom. And so repentance means that we have to bow to a higher king. Uh, and until we repent before God, we remain the king or queen of our own kingdom. And so not many people are willing to surrender their kingdom, but once we repent of our sins and submit to the authority of the word of God, it tells us that we need to be baptized in Jesus' name to wash away our sins and to wash away the stains of our, of our filthy, dirty kingdom, uh, and so that we can be clothed with how God wants to clothe us. He wants us to take a shower before he comes in that we come into His house. And that is through the waters of baptism to cleanse us, to get us ready. And then he can clothe us how he wants to clothe us. And so uh, then we need to be filled with the spirit of God. And the Bible tells us that we've known, we know when we receive the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, when, we, when God takes control of our tongue and we begin to speak in another language, a heavenly language, we speak in other tongues as the spirit of God gives us utterance. That's how we know we received it. Many people claim they have it, but they haven't heard the sound uh, that Jesus says to everyone is born of the Spirit, you're going to hear a sound. And so I want to hear a sound when when God comes in my life. When God starts moving, I want to hear a sound uh, as of a rushing mighty wind coming from heaven and the Holy Ghost will fall in our lives and we will begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance. And so that's how we know we've received the Holy Ghost. And so uh, not until then... we get set on the path to obtain the crown of life. And not everyone will receive the crown of life, but everyone will receive a crown. Such a timely message for 2020, everyone gets a crown. We don't want to offend anybody, everybody gets a crown. We're all winners, we all get a crown. But not every crown is the crown of life. Isaiah 28 and 3 says, The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And so the crown of pride is what those will receive who don't get the crown of life. So don't be upset if you don't get the crown of life, you will still get a crown. It is the crown of pride. And so, in fact, there actually is no waiting to receive the crown of pride because human beings, were are born with this crown on our head. We grow up with this crown of pride. And uh, we are the king of our own kingdom. And so why should we listen to anybody else? We're the king. Look at my crown. And to enter God's kingdom, we have to lay down our crown in order to receive the crown later on. But notice what happens to the crown of pride. It says it shall be trodden under feet. That means it's going to get trampled on. That means it's not going to last. And that means whoever's wearing it is probably going to get trampled as well. And, and if I'm going to receive a crown, if I'm going to have a crown, I want a crown that's going to last. I don't want something that's going to break down and, 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 and made in China or from Ikea. I want a, a, a crown that's going to last forever, not be trodden under the feet of man. I want a crown that is forever. And so the only way that we're going to get that crown is if we lay down our Monopoly crown and pick up a real crown. But everyone has the crown of pride walk around with Monopoly money thinking there's somebody, but that means nothing in the next world. But we have to be willing to lay all that down. And And we see in Isaiah 28 and 4, he goes on to say, The glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. And as the, the hasty fruit before the summer which... When he that looketh upon it seeth it, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. And so that is continuing on, talking about the crown of pride and and how it's going to be trodden underfoot. And, and the beauty that it has, whatever fame or glory that that crown of pride promises is going to fade away. It's not going to last forever. It's only going to be temporary. It's not going to survive until the end. And so... The crown of pride gives dominion and authority in your kingdom. It gives you that power. But our kingdom is not going to defeat God's kingdom. We are going to lose our kingdom one way or another. One way or another, we're going to lose. And so it just matters how and when we lose. Do we surrender now and, and 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 join God's side and say, God, I realize I'm not my kingdom's nothing. And so I want to give you my crown and, and let me be a doorkeeper in your house. I just want to be a part of the kingdom of God because my kingdom is nothing. And so either we surrender our kingdom now or or do we hold on to our crown and we lose it in the battle against the Lord. But notice what happens to those who do surrender and submit to God now and in this life. Isaiah 28, 5, he continues, in that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And so you may have surrendered your crown of pride, But God is going to come, and God is going to be your crown. God will be your glory. He will be your king. God will be your provider. He will be your protector. God will be your healer. He will be the ones that that touches your life and open doors. He will be the one to come and make a way where there seems to be no way. God will come and do that for the people that lay down their crown and say, God, I want to be a part of your kingdom. He will be everything that you need, but we've got to surrender our crown for his crown. And then he continues on in verse 6. God will also be for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and he will be strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. And so God will also be your crown, but he will also be a spirit of judgment, and God will also be strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. And so how many could use a little bit more strength in your life, a little bit more encouragement, a little bit more energy in your life? God will give you the strength if you are willing to fight. If you are willing to contend for the crown, he gives strength to them who are willing to turn the battle to the gate. And if you're not willing to fight, why would God give you strength? If you're not willing to contend for the crown, why would God do that for you? But he made a promise. If you are willing to stand up and fight, if you are willing to fight for this and and push back the enemy and and, and rebuke the devil and, and the demons, if you are willing to stand up and fight and turn the battle to the gate, God will give you the strength to beat your enemy. That excites me, knowing that. It's not by my strength or my power, but it's by his spirit. And but we have to surrender to him. God will give us the strength to defeat our enemies, but we gotta be willing to fight for it. We gotta be willing to contend. We gotta be willing to get down on our knees and pray and say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm gonna fight again. I'm going back to the front lines today. Even I was there yesterday, but I gotta keep fighting. As long as we keep fighting, as long as we keep contending and pushing back the forces of darkness, God will Will give us the strength to to beat defeat the enemy in our life, to defeat the battle and give us the victory. But we have to continue to fight for that. Musicians, if you would come, in those days of walled cities, the gates were the most important place of that city. And at the gates is where the elders met. And they judged matters concerning the city. That's where their courthouse was, if you will. It is where the public policy and laws were enacted. They sat there and decided to pass laws and ordinances that you can't paint your house a certain color. You have to have so many trees in your yard. That kind of stuff happened at the gate. It's where covenants were established and entered into. Also, it's where food and supplies entered into the city, being a walled city. And so, if you controlled the gates, then you really had power over that whole city. Control one little gate and you had the power over the city. They had many gates, but if you controlled the gates, then you had dominion and power over that city. And so, every city has gates. Every city has places of of, of power and of prominence where things are are, are enacted and, and, and done. And so uh, a bishop has showed us the gates of Lee County and we have people stationed at all the gates of Lee County that are praying and standing guard because the gates control the city. The gates control the area and so we need to be on guard at our gates. We need to be praying over our gates. Why? Because that is where the dominion and authority and influence of this area is first comes, first comes to the gates, and so we have to watch over and fight for the gates. But we each have a gate—a gate to our own soul. And our gate is our mind. Our mind is the gate to our soul. You can, you can tie in there the eye, uh, the eyes. What you, uh, the, the eyes can be a gate as well because what you put in front of your eyes goes into your brain and uh, affects your mind. Uh, and so we can we can put the eyes there as well, but really it's the mind that has uh, the the influence over us. And so whoever controls the gate has the power. And whoever controls your mind has power over you. And so if you're thinking, not good thoughts. Something is not good. is going to happen to you. Uh, if something is influencing your mind, and you're putting stuff in front of your eyes, getting into your mind, it's going to affect your mind, and ultimately can affect your soul and your salvation because it's influencing the gate of your soul. And so that is why the Bible talks so much about the mind. Uh, Romans tells us, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." He's uh, Paul saying you need to pay attention to the mind. You need to pay attention to the gate of your own soul. You need to renew that. You need to go down there every day and walk around that gate and see what's hanging around there. What's, what am I allowing in the gate of my soul? Because what we allow in is ultimately going to affect uh, our soul. It also says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. It talks about the mind so much and uh, talking about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and, and, and casting down imaginations. Every high thing that has exalted itself and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's talking about your gate. Casting down imaginations and things, beliefs in your mind, thinking that has puffed us up above the word of God. And, and he tells us, let every thought should be brought into subjection to the word of God. Every single thought that we have, uh, and how do we do that? We do that by reading the word of God. When you read the word of God, it goes in your mind and it starts going to war, fighting against thoughts and bad thoughts. But if we never put that in front of your mind, if you're never reading the word of God, who's, uh, who's defending your gate? We allow in Hollywood to defend our gate. And so we have to be studying and reading the Word of God. It's more than just words on a page, but the Word of God is alive. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing the center of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is the weapon that we have uh, against to guard the gates of our mind is the Word of God. And so we need more of the Word of God. If we want to be a stronger man or woman of God, we have to have that more in our lives in order to defend the gates that the enemy comes at. And so our mind is at, is the gate of our soul, and that is what the enemy wants control over. That is why he'll inject thoughts in our mind, ungodly thoughts. Where did that, where did that thought come from? and, and, And if we... If we dwell on those thoughts, then they begin to grow and cultivate. And pretty soon we, we're, we're starting doing things and thinking things that. That we, we, we shouldn't be thinking. But where did it all come from? It all comes from a seed that's planted. A little thought that goes in our mind. If we don't have the word of God actively engaged in our mind, going around fighting while we're asleep, then we're going to have problems in our life. And so the devil wants to get uh, control over our life. And the way he does that is through our mind. And so he can exert his authority and dominion in our life. Depression attacks the mind. He can have your mind, he can have you. Fear paralyzes the mind. If you, your mind is paralyzed, you'll be paralyzed. You won't step out in faith if you're fearful. And so the Word of God says that God will give strength to those who are willing to turn the battle to the gate. And it's not referring to our gate, the, the, the people of God's gate, the enemy. Uh, it's not referring to ours. It's actually referring to the enemy's gate because the enemy was always going to come and attack your gate and we'll have to defend our gate. But uh, the word of God says if we are willing to contend and to turn the battle, to go out and meet the enemy before he gets to our mind, meet him before he gets to the front door of our home, meet the enemy out at the driveway at the mailbox. If we are willing to go out and contend and fight and turn the battle out there, turn the enemy from coming in, then God will give us the strength to go do that. God does not want us to live on the defensive all of our life and, and we're just waiting, oh God, who's going to knock at my door today? No, God has given us power to open up the door, to walk out in authority and power and dominion. He's given us the, 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 the sword of the spirit, the armor of God. We are to go out and to fight the enemy. We don't should not be on the defensive waiting for the enemy to come get us. Too many times we become passive in our walk with God where we're just, where they're not fighting or we're just on on the defend. Uh, God does not want us to, he wants us to live in victory. We should be able to walk out our door and not worry about anything. Why? Because we've already prayed over it. We've already walked around in the spirit. We've already conquered the devil and and pulled down the strongholds in our life. And so the devil's always going to come to our door unless we meet him out there you stand with me today, if we are willing to contend and fight, and the Bible says turn the battle to the gate, meaning the gate of the enemy, then God will give us the strength. To continue fighting and to keep pushing the enemy back. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of fighting at my gate. at my gate. I'm tired of fighting at my doorstep. It's time that we've pushed back the enemy. It's time that we step out and faith and push him back, push him back all the way to his gate. Let's go on the offense in 2020. We're not going to sit around and wait, but we're going to go out and push back the darkness. We're tired of defending our gate. We're going to go out and conquer the land, and we're going to push the enemy back to his gate. God will give us the strength to do that as his word says. If you're tired of the enemy waiting outside your door. It's time that we step outside the door and we start meeting him halfway down the road. You're not coming on my property, devil. You're not even going to come on my block because I'll be waiting for you at the end of the road. We do it out there. We're fighting out there. And I'm going to stand on the word of God that will give me the strength to push you back all the way to your gate, all the way back to the gates of hell. It's time that we turn the battle in 2020, we're gonna turn the battle. We've lived on the defense for too long. Uh, We've given the armor of God. We need to turn the battle and push back the enemy all the way back to his gate we got to push back. Jesus says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. He didn't say out in the middle field. He said, I'll push back the enemy all the way to the gates of hell. I'll be standing for them. When they come out of the gates of hell, I'll be there ready to fight them off. And I'll push them back in the gate. Why What did Jesus do when they crucified him and killed him and he went in the grave? He says, I'm going to go visit my enemy enemies had victory for far too long it's time that I go and I push back. I'm going to turn the battle. The battle was turned at Calvary. And Jesus went on the offense. And he says, I'm going down to, the, to the death and hell in the grave. And I'm going to grab those keys. And I'm going to say, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. If we're willing to contend, if we're willing to fight for it, God will give us the strength to push the enemy back, to turn the battle back to their gates. Last week, we wrote down some things on our vesture. If you were here, we got a vesture. We wrote down some things. But just because we wrote them down does not mean we've won. Just because we wrote it down does not mean the battle is over. No, I think it's even more so now the fact that we put it down. The devil's really going to be on guard, but that's okay because. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God will give us the strength. We have to fight for this now. We declared it last week. We wrote down what we need, what we're looking for, what strongholds we're going to break. But now we have to contend for that. Now we have to fight for it. Now we have to push back the enemy and plead the blood over it. Every single day we got to get out. The fight is not over. Even though we enjoy a great service, a great move today, battle still begins tomorrow and who's going to go and fight tomorrow who's going to get up in the morning and cast down their crown saying God I got to put on your crown I need your help today if we are faithful if we endure the battles the hardships, the trials, the temptation to quit. If we endure, God is going to give us the crown of life. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. I'm here declaring, going to declare victory again in 2020. But now we have to fight for it. We're going to have to push it back. And so if you're ready to fight, if you're ready to step out of faith, why don't you come down here and declare again in victory. Let's let the devil know. Let's remind him that we're getting out of our hope. We're not going to stay and wait, but now we're going out to the battlefield. We're going to turn the battle. We're going on the offense. We're not going to sit and wait anymore. In the name of Jesus, we're going to go and declare victory. Come on, what is it that you need? What is the victory you need for? Let's step out in faith and believe and declare what the Word of God behind us. Oh, we're not going to back down God is fighting for We're not going to give up is on our side He has overcome We're yes. going to be victorious He has overcome. We're gonna we get will pain. not be shaken Keep We will not be kind of in Jesus you are here oh, carrying, Jesus
1: carrying our burdens
0: covering gonna gonna our shame. shame He has overcome yes you are. Come here. Jesus is here. Come I out. will.